This podcast is brought to you by Labyrinth Marketing, an award-winning strategic marketing and capability consultancy passionate about step change in the growth of brands and agencies by setting long-term strategy and supporting empowering the people behind the brands and business to bring these plans to life through capability programs, training, coaching, mentoring, and providing extra resource. Hello, and welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. episode is episode three of our burnout series. In each of the burnout episodes, we'll explore what it means to truly burn out and we'll hear from those who have unfortunately experienced burnout, what they've learned from their experience of burnout and what strategies they have in place to ensure that it doesn't happen again. Today's guest on episode three is Emma Bissett. Emma began her marketing career in creative agencies where she acted as an account manager for a variety of global FMCG retail and hospitality brands. Initially thriving on the buzz and absurdity of agency life, Emma soon noticed her office hours creeping up as the combination of her perfectionist tendencies and managing clients across different time zones made the work-life balance less and less achievable. After some reflection on what really inspired her, she followed her love of volunteering in a move to the third sector, where for the last eight years, she has specialised in brand and supporter experience, developing and delivering insight-led supporter engagement programmes that grow loyalty and income for charities. Passionate about helping future marketers build confidence and resilience, Emma has taken part in various mentoring programs with those just starting out in marketing and supporting them to develop personally and professionally as they embark on their careers. Emma, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thanks very much. Nice to be here. So as always, we always start with a big juicy question. And today's big juicy question is, what is burnout to you? Yeah, so in its simplest terms, burnout is a state of exhaustion caused by prolonged stress. So that exhaustion is emotional, physical and mental. So in the build-up, people might experience sort of physical symptoms like feeling tired all the time, really achy, headaches, migraines, that kind of thing. Sleep appetite might be all over the place. And then on a kind of mental basis, there's a lot of feeling of overwhelm, quite cynical, low motivation. But Personally, for myself, it was just have nothing left to give. Just really hitting a wall is the best way I'd describe it. Nothing left to give is a really great way to describe it, Emma. And having previously experienced burnout myself, I think that's a really great terminology or turn of phrase when there is nothing left in that tank to give. Yeah. And as somebody who has previously experienced burnout, can you tell us, looking back on that situation, what you believe caused that burnout? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think burnout can look different to different people. And I think that when I look back on my experience of burnout, it took a while for me to understand and accept that that's actually what was happening. Because I had an idea, I was aware of the term burnout, if you like, but I had a kind of preconception as to who experienced burnout. So in my head, it was the the high power chief execs busting the nine year weeks. It was emergency service staff dealing with life and death situations on a daily basis it was you know a carer trying to juggle work and family commitments so for me I didn't really feel like as someone not facing any of those particular challenges I didn't really see myself as someone that had the right to burn out and I think that mentality is very indicative of probably why I did burn out (laughs) 
because it was uh, a lack of of self-compassion if you like so yeah so I think that lack of self-compassion was you know quite indicative of that I would be predisposed to to burning out so I think when I look back I took a year of university between second and third year because I was having health problems I was hospitalized so when I went back I felt like I was a year behind and I'd got into this kind of I'm catching up mindset. So I went from zero to 100. It was, you know, I was working, volunteering, signed up to all the societies, you know, won an academic award, but it just never felt like I had quite caught up. And I think that set me on a path of quite a dangerous mindset of where rest was wasted time. It was time that I should be spending doing something to further other goals if you like Mm -hmm. I then ended up working in advertising agencies which was awesome and worked with some of the most creative talented people and some really exciting brands as well but gradually you know the 50 60 hour week wasn't uncommon clients that were based in America and Canada so I'd quite often find myself starting work at you know half eight and then 3 p.m when they all come online my work day sort of started again and I had quite weak work boundaries so I would just power on if you like gradually recognized I wasn't happy with that and very much saw my job as the source of that and I'd always volunteered so ended up you know following that into the third sector where there was a lot more discussion around work-life balance and mental health and I thought oh this is great like fresh start I'm going to totally be this person that works so five and then has a really healthy work-life balance and it'll be all great but fundamentally I was still the same person you know I was still holding myself to super high standards to the extent of being a perfectionist which is not sustainable or productive (laughs) I think I also just generally have a tendency to push through to get things done don't prioritize rest and I think also there was a, a real people pleaser need there so wanting to be helpful and a team player but again those weak boundaries come back meaning that was super reactive to people asking for help and not really stopping to think about whether I had capacity to help and just saying yep 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 I can do it I can do it but yeah I think there's nothing wrong with wanting to work hard and help people and be part of a team but fundamentally if it's not balanced with that self-compassion and boundaries you do lose sight of your needs and how you're feeling I think quite quickly as you were talking there Emma there was quite a few themes that were coming out so I think there was almost the internal narrative Mm -hmm. around having had time taken away from you wanting to make the most of the time so you were running at work and you were running at giving back and and helping out and supporting others Mm -hmm. there was as you said, the perfectionist driver and potentially people pleaser driver, so not setting those boundaries and you know wanting to help and to support others and do work to the highest standard. And as you've already acknowledged, that kind of lack of boundary setting and not saying no because of those things. And then there was almost the environment as well. You were working in a busy agency environment with multiple time zones, with high workload and less of a work-life balance. And I think what's become quite apparent to me as we've done these burnout episodes, so you are the third episode, is there is these common themes that keep arising 
One is around that internal narrative about who we are as a person. So, you know, it's not uncommon perfectionists, people pleasers, those that kind of have that internal drive to do more and do things to a certain standard. Mm-hmm. The lack of boundaries, so not saying no or prioritizing. And also not, as you say, prioritizing yourself, that lack of kind of self-compassion or maybe not taking out the time for you to do the things that you enjoy to fill up your cup seems to be a common theme across each of those episodes so far. Would you say that reflects those things that you felt that were at play during your burnout also? Yeah, 100%. I think, as I say, I was aware of burnout as a term as a subject if you like I'd consider myself someone who is quite interested in you know mental health and wellness and it's still crept up on me to be honest I think because so often you know with the stuff that I'd seen burnout was always discussed in such a workplace specific context all the research and focus seems to be on the workplace and that wasn't the only contributing factor And I think that I kind of had to reframe how I thought about burnout and what contributes to it. Because when I worked in the agency setting, it was very easy for me to say, this is because my clients are in America. I've no no chance of having a work-life balance. Mm, Because of different time zones. Yeah, totally. And say, well, that's that's the stressor. So if I just move away from this industry then I'll suddenly have a better work-life balance. And it just isn't that simple because I think that there are so many different contributing factors and they are both external and internal. And you kind of have to be aware of them all a little bit because I obviously I was working, as I say, in an agency with super creative people who had a much better work-life balance than I did. And they had clients in different time zones as well. So what's the difference there? Like, why are they able to manage that in a better way than I am but what's the is it a personality thing is it approach to work and I think I did have to kind of explore that a lot after burning out you know go back to those situations and think okay well how much of that was external and how much of it was internal and not blame myself because that's not productive but just understand okay well how did I get there and that's a really great reflection that you've had there because when you look back at that situation of that agency as an example others were allowing themselves a work-life balance even though they also had clients in different time zones and there's been a few times as we've been discussing where you've talked around I don't have the right to burn out or this is something that happens to others and not to me and almost not allowing yourself to do what's right for you with that self-compassion And it sounds to me that that's almost become another driver maybe around maybe what contributed towards burnout is the lack of acknowledging your own needs over others. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I would definitely say that's fair. I think that was a big learning point for me as well. It was almost tuning in a little bit with my needs because when I did finally hit the wall with burnout, it was, you know, feet taken from underneath me kind of experience and very much me suddenly realizing how detached I was from how I felt if you like and I had to give myself that headspace 
to process it and kind of it's terrible that it makes me cringe even saying it but but it does just kind of feel my feelings a little bit and be like okay I have been ignoring what I need for a very long time and that is why I am just done in and that's why I have nothing left to give so all these people that I want to support I am not actually very helpful to them right now (laughs) There's two things that you just said then, Emma, that really resonated. And I think the first is feeling the feelings. And I don't think enough of us, myself included, allow ourselves the headspace to sit with an uncomfortable feeling for long enough. Long enough for us to really think about what it is that is truly bothering us or there's a truly at play here. Whether that's something that's jarring with our values or our beliefs or something that we are not facing into that we need to overcome, almost getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think the second is the time to reflect and the headspace to do that. So there's sitting with your feelings, but then there's also allowing yourself the time to do that and have that reflection because often what we are doing is not always what it's about. And almost I was thinking about the parallel of you making yourself so busy, you know, with all the extra things that you were doing to give back and volunteer because of your want to make the most of your time because of what happened to you previously with your illness, that actually what were those true feelings that were at play there that you were maybe using those things to give back as a distraction. And, you know, I know personally, almost if I was writing the whole marketer book again, I would definitely have something in there about not only headspace and time to reflect and journal, but truly feeling and sitting with feelings because I know that sometimes things come up, but I don't allow them the space. I know that historically I haven't given some of my feelings the space that they deserve to allow me to really understand what is at the root of it. I think that is a really key part of our personal development and ensures that we don't push things down and suppress those feelings which could ultimately result in overwhelm and result in burnout yeah I I couldn't agree more I think that building in both time to actually have a bit of headspace to feel the feelings which I find personally is making sure that I get out for a cycle or a walk And what I used to do is go for a walk with a podcast or music blaring in my ears, but I make a point of not so that I can just kind of let my mind drift. It's a conscious, a conscious choice. And also to journal or, you know, just take some time to reflect and have quiet times. I think I am someone that my mind races a little bit and I do very much put a lot of pressure on myself to be productive. And I think that sometimes that can result in feeling every minute and every hour with some sort of task something that I'm working towards and I think it's quite easy when you're in that mode to suddenly slip into everything that you're doing and working towards is very other people focused or you know focused on work or what you think is going to be productive for your future career and it's not actually about the here and now and what you need. So Emma it's clear that there's been some reflections and learnings that you've had a result of your experience of burnout around feeling the feelings and taking the time out and saying no more yeah in that moment of burnout when you realize you have nothing else to give what was happening what aided your recovery I was 
signed off work because I think part of what happened when I hit that wall was that I was just making my dinner in the kitchen and suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe. So nothing happened, nothing, you know, that I was conscious of anyway, nothing, you know, kind of set me off, if you like. And I suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe. And I I knew enough about mental health to be like, this feels like it could be a panic attack. And honestly, it was like, how strange, because I'm just going about my business sort of thing. And then I started to get really weepy and I'm not really a crier and I used to very much pride myself on that but suddenly I was crying and I didn't know why I was crying and that was quite scary for me because I felt so detached from what was happening that I didn't feel anything you know coming on it it, it was like a switch and I think just that feeling of I'm really separate from how I'm feeling right now was quite a strong message for me that I need to just stop and just take stock if you like. So I was signed off work for a couple of weeks and being signed off work, it was almost like on some level I'd given myself permission to process how I was feeling. And then it was like boom, no energy, just sleeping for days. And then as you're saying, just sitting with uncomfortable feelings and feeling them, which I had been avoiding for some time, it would seem. So it then became a point of, okay, well, let's just feel those feelings, get it out. I was quite weepy for a few days, which again was quite alien to me. And then gradually I felt a lot more calm, but I basically just stripped it right back to basics. It was like, okay, my routine is I will plan time that I go outside. I will plan nice meals that I'm going to cook. Very lucky that I've got a supportive partner who he gave me the space to figure out what I needed to do and kind of gently called me on it when I was trying to rush things <laughs> and just processing kind of what was what was happening and trying to understand how my own behaviors which at that point was okay focus on what you can immediately control how that was contributing to how I was feeling and then when I started to feel a little bit more balanced I was very keen to get back to work work is you know something I'm super passionate about and I think a lot of the things I was reading, I felt very conflicted about because it talked about how burnout can happen when you are too work focused. And some of it didn't really resonate with me because it was like, but I love my job. I love my work. I don't want to have to give up on that or put less effort or energy into it. So I had to do a bit of unlearning in terms of what does that actually look like in a healthy way? So I went back to work and continued that reflection on what a healthy work-life balance looked like for me so I'd got to a point where work was kind of all-consuming and I was giving it all my energy which is great to be passionate about your work but it had been to the detriment of other parts of my life and I had to evaluate how to get that balance I'd definitely got into a mindset of once this campaign is launched or once this project is wrapped up then I'll rest then I'll um, coast for you know a couple of days or something it was like rest was always something that I would do after this next deadline which obviously never comes because there's always a new project there's always a new campaign and it was really a lot of work and continues to be work for me to kind of understand how work and rest can coexist because I think 
I am quite an all or nothing person, which isn't always great. So it was trying to understand as well, going back to work, how I could do it without just flinging myself back into it and ending up in the same position as I was when I burnt out. There are two themes that came out really strongly for me as you were describing what you did to recover from your burnout. I think the first one was you almost started again. So you went back to basics, you created your new certainty around a new routine that was very focused on the sleep, the exercise, the meals that you were having. So almost took out all that extra curricular, if you will, and focused just on functioning. And then the second area felt that you were focused on very much now taking control. So forget everything that I was historically doing, now taking control, what do I want work and life to look like together and how do they live in, be- in harmony? But also being mindful that as even though you love what you do, it isn't the only thing that you do, so that you have other things that are filling up your cup and that you are doing other things that allow you to gain the perspective you need to prevent burnout. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there was an awareness for quite a long time um, that work was such a major part of my life to the detriment of other things. And anything that I sort of tried to do in the evenings or the weekends alongside, you know, catching up with friends and spending time with family, that sort of thing, it was the first to go. You know, any hobbies that I started, it was the first to go if work got a bit much. So it was never a priority. And I think it was trying to view those things, particularly creative outlets. I really enjoy painting, for example, but I I never make time to do it because there is this part of me that views it as a little bit indulgent to be doing something that, and this is something I still work on, I fully admit to that, it's not furthering my career in any way. It's purely for my own enjoyment. And I think that learning that actually you have to make space for those activities as well in order to be the best in all aspects of your life has been quite a shift that I'm still working on for sure. And Emma, I think a lot of people would resonate with that. You know, it's always those things that we enjoy or that we see are extra that we let go of in times of pressure and stress. But often they're the thing that means that our cup will be full so we can show up to those stressful times in a much better way. We just need to, as you said, right at the beginning of today's podcast, have the self-compassion to allow us to do that and really think about what we are doing to fill up our souls. Mm -hmm. So you've been on a journey. You've been on a journey of allowing yourself to burn out, because I think that was almost the first step for you. (laughs) Then going through the recovery of burnout, and then having the reflection about what life post-burnout looks like. What would you say that has been the key things that you've learned about you as Emma as a result of burnout? One thing that has taken quite a shift is that a lot of the things that I used to pride myself on were probably contributing to my poor work-life balance. So I took a lot of pride in being a perfectionist because I saw that as the source of a lot of strengths and qualities that I brought to work. So I know with myself I have attention to detail. I I once got the nickname like Eagle Eyes at work and I was so chuffed. (laughs) And you know I do push for creative excellence on projects that I work on to the point that I've got a lot of external praise for that 
you know, good enough was never good enough sort of thing. And I can still remember clear as day speaking to my dissertation advisor and being worried that I was behind time-wise and I was doing four focus groups. And she said, well, look, the gold standard is to have all of your focus groups transcribed. But given the time pressures, I think what you need to do is da-da-da. And I don't even remember the other half of the sentence because she had said the gold standard was to have them all transcribed. So anything less was not acceptable. That's my default, you know, to see over-delivering as the just the minimum of doing your job sort of thing. So I think I had to do a lot of work in terms of understanding that long term that isn't actually a productive attitude and it's not also the best way to work. It's not always how you get the best results by having that sort of approach. And there is a difference between having high standards and pushing for something to be excellent and being a perfectionist and kind of separating the two things and recognising that perfectionism is not a positive thing. And for so long, like I say, I'd been proud of that. So that was, you know, quite strange for me. I think one of my good friends as a life coach and introduced me to the term recovering perfectionist, which I now sort of <laughs> lean on a little bit. But yeah, I think I had to also recognise that I was expecting things of myself that I would never expect of my friends or family or co-workers. Like it was very much seeing everybody else as having permission to rest and recharge and I was not giving myself that permission. And I think that comes back to what you said at the beginning, Emma, around self-compassion and you're not alone you know the way we talk to ourselves or the time that we give to ourselves or the advice that we'd give to a friend isn't always what we would give to us yeah and I think there's a lot of people that are working through that and why they don't do that and I think for me sometimes it's just as important to acknowledge why you do those things as it is to work through what you are doing and the impact that that is having on you. Because for me, sometimes acknowledging where it came from is often the first step in acceptance to moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, as you say, there's the kind of two parts to it. It's feeling the uncomfortable feelings, but then also doing a little bit of work to understand what the root of that is. And and that is work and it takes time and it it takes a lot of self-compassion in itself to be able to explore that in a way that you don't then use that understanding to beat yourself up about stuff. Definitely. That's a really good point. It's even if you have got that understanding that we then don't blame ourselves and take that allocation of responsibility all on our own. It's more about, you know, we are all works in progress at any given time. You know, no one is perfect. And doing the work is a really key principle that I believe everyone should adopt you know doing the work to sit with your feelings to identify where it's coming from to acknowledge accept to work through on what you're going to do next because as we move through our lives different things will come up different belief systems or triggers will happen that are going to prevent us from achieving our goals or even just you know functioning in day-to-day life and as you say doing the work is that person that is adopting that growth mindset and is and is moving forward absolutely I think it's you know the growth mindset is something that I really would like to work on in myself because I think it's so key to building resilience and being able to go with the the ebbs and flows that not only your career but your life in general is going to present you with I think that the idea that we can just remove ourselves from 
stressful situations, you just get stuck in a loop of trying to move to different environments or move to different settings. But if you're not actually doing that work internally as well, then you are just going to keep moving because it's not always going to be an external environment that's the cause of the stress. I read a book recently that talked about differentiating between the stressors and the stress and the stress is the emotional response internally and that's what you need to process not to say that there isn't external toxic environments that you should avoid but it's that internal work is just so key to being able to build that resilience. I couldn't agree more. So Emma it's been clear that the burnout episode has given you a greater level of self-awareness and deeper understanding and has allowed you the time to address your work-life balance and have more compassion for yourself. Is there anything that you now know that you must have in place or things that you are doing to make sure that you don't have a reoccurrence? Yeah, so a, a big thing for me is building in the time for headspace so that I can actually reflect on where I'm at. And I think that looks different on different days and allowing that to look different has been a big thing. So just ensuring I've got some downtime, which for me usually looks like a a cycle and it is a gentle little short cycle a lot of the time, just a time where I'm alone with my thoughts a little bit and I think that helps me keep perspective. I'm also someone that loves a to-do list and gets great satisfaction out of taking things off my to-do list, but I've now split it. So I've now got my work to-do list and basically I've split into four. So there's for work, for others, for balance and for fun. So work is the mega, mega, never-ending work list. For others, is it could be things like remember and get so-and-so a birthday card or, you know, reach out to so-and-so because you've not spoken to them for a while. And for balance is the more sort of self-care activities, if you like. I don't personally like the term self-care. Like, it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. So for balance, is just the stuff I need to do to be grounded. So that's things like, have you been outside? Have you caught up with your life admin? That sort of thing. And then the for fun is the creative outlet. And I don't always tick everything off, which is quite alien, but it really highlights to me, for example, if I've ticked off loads of my work list and loads of my for others list, and the other two are exactly the same, it reflects it back to me in no uncertain terms where I've been spending my time and just gives me a little bit of accountability to myself, which is something I'm still working on. That's a great piece of advice. In fact, I've just written it down. I might do exactly that for myself later today, Emma. So thank you for that. So thank you so much for your time so far on today's podcast. As an avid listener, I know that you know that we finish with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketers of tomorrow? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, it's follow what you're interested in. I think sometimes, particularly if I'm speaking to people that are just starting out in their marketing careers, they kind of have this list of things that they need to learn about, which is great. But I think also follow what really excites you. So for me, consumer behavior and behavioral economics is a field that I find absolutely fascinating. And for the longest time, I thought had a very small overlap with what I was actually doing day to day. But then as I would read about it in my spare time, increasingly learnings from that would inform what I was doing in my day-to-day work. And also I just enjoyed learning about it. So I think just don't underestimate if something piques your interest, like pursue it. 
That's a great piece of advice. Follow what you are interested in. And Emma, thanks again for your time today. No, thank you. It's been brilliant. Thank you for tuning in to the Whole Marketeer podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do click follow below for more weekly podcasts. The Whole Marketer book is now available in all good bookstores. And to find out more about how Labyrinth can support and step change the growth of your brand or agency, go to www.labyrinthmarketing.co.uk. Thank you.